From the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very, very pleasant uh, good morning to you. It's about 11.30 uh, Central Time, OneRadioNetwork.com. Hope you enjoyed a little visit we had with you this morning. And now one of our favorite guys, good, uh, mm, very intelligent and uh, wonderful man, and his name is Dr. Ray Pete. He's here on the third Monday of each month. And uh, as you know, our telephones are out, but we are able to figure out a way how to get them plugged in with a little headset. So he may sound different, but who cares? We're going to be able to hear him, and he can hear me, and that pretty much is, is really what counts. If you go to his website, raypeat.com, um, he has great, uh, great section of articles. You can get on his, his newsletter. Um, his approach, as he writes here, gives a priority to environmental influences on development, regenerative processes, and the evolutionary perspective. Um, he has done a great deal of work uh, with hormones over the years, PhD in biology from the University of Oregon, specialized in physiology, and he taught in a lot of different schools. He started his work with progesterone and related hormones in 1968. And uh, he knows a great deal about the thyroid. He gets so many thyroid questions and hormones, and so he's really fun guy to talk to. And Dr. Pete, thank you for being on the show. Good morning. Good morning. How is your life? What's you doing up there in the Northwest? You behaving yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, staying indoors because of the bad weather. Reading a lot. Yeah, what are you reading? I, I just got a RFK Junior's a book on Fauci. Oh, a, a couple. It's a very, very big book, full of. I guess about a couple thousand references and most of the stuff that I have ran across over the last 40 years hmm. but uh, it's a tremendously detailed uh, review of, of the government's position uh, on public health and, and especially Fauci's uh, role in it. Yeah, I, I've read that he's really has an incredible amount of references, right? I mean, he, he really went to a lot of work with this thing, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had about 20 researchers organizing the references. So people are, are denouncing it because they don't like what he concludes, but <laughs> no one has apparently found any flaw in it. And 400 pages of a detailed uh, a description of uh, events in the government and science. Uh, you would think that the critics could find some little fact to uh, say was wrong. Yeah, but, but they don't. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I don't know if he's getting any kind of exposure on the whole mainstream press. Do you know? I don't know if he is. Oh, oh, yeah. There, there have been uh, several. Uh, like Associated Press and uh, all of the leading uh, publications have uh, uh, employed uh, uh, banks of reporters to uh, try to find something wrong with it. And uh, the, the 
mainstream media are full of uh, denunciations, but uh, without any uh, factual basis. Really? So there's, they're just trying to trying to find something wrong with it. What what um, what do you think? What are some of the ideas that that you feel are probably most kind of poking people in the eye that they don't like? Uh, oh, uh, the the, um, the the actual history of of the government being involved uh, with uh, the the profit making motive behind the so-called vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, David Martin going through uh, the history of patents regarding vaccines uh, shows shows that going back uh, more than 15 years, <laughs> you can find that they were planning to do this sort of thing. Uh, despite uh, uh, more, more than 15 years ago, the spike protein uh, and the antibodies that are formed in re- response to the spike protein, uh, both of these uh, were shown to destroy lung tissue uh, way back 15 years ago. So uh, the craziest thing in the world would be to ignore that, that even the antibodies to the spike protein kill lung tissue. Uh, so uh, the, the whole concept of a, a an RNA-based vaccine against the spike protein, uh, there's everything wrong with it and nothing right with it, except that you, you can create a vaccine so-called in a few weeks where ordinarily to actually biologically uh, show that you've you've got an immune reaction it, it takes years mm-hmm. uh, on average about 10 years to make a vaccine that <laughs> works at least against uh, the, the virus you're uh, starting with but uh, th- this one was never shown to work against any any virus no virus <laughs> it just it's really was meant to can he prove that it was just meant to do something other than what's good for the body? Uh, yeah, if you look at the uh, actual research uh, around 2005, uh, you see that uh, they had explained why the, why the spike protein is harmful and why the antibodies to it are harmful. Hmm. Uh, the, the, when we form an antibody to uh, something outside the body that gives us a, a, a mirror image, a, a protein that locks like a lock and key into the antigen. But having formed these antibodies, our body recognizes the novelty uh, of uh, this newly formed antibody and forms antibodies against that antibody. And the second generation antibody is an exact copy as close as biologically possible to the original toxic antigen. So every time we react to any harmful antigen, next two steps away from that 
we are creating a copy of the harmful androgen. And th these waves of antibodies against antibodies are expensive. They uh, uh, occupy our immune apparatus. And so repeated exposure to different things, uh, uh, good, even so-called good vaccines, if you give 50 different antigens to a person during development, you are occupying a huge amount of their immune system, but you're only doing it for the superficial level of, of antibodies. Every time you specialize in a new kind of antibody, you're spending your potential, but only you're investing in the possibility that you will confront that particular threat again. So you're investing in the past in a way. Hmm. And that has to do with the accumulated damage of aging. And in Africa, because of poor diet and exposure to lots of parasites and infections, mm -hmm. a warm, humid climate, lots of fungal infections, these things are occupying their immune system over and over again. And that is a burden on the immune system uh, explaining why the incidence of uh, acquired immune deficiency is so high uh, when the environment is uh, rich in diseases. So that is why this whole AIDS thing got so prevalent in the early 80s in Africa because of the environment. But there wasn't really ever, was there, Dr. Peter, an AIDS virus that was isolated and shown and really existed as advertised? Uh, uh, in a sense, but in Africa, uh, they didn't, didn't find that, and so they redefined the existence of AIDS as having the infections that typify uh, people with AIDS. So, so if, uh, tuberculosis mm -hmm. is very common, in age-infected people, and you see lots of TB in Africa, uh, every time uh, you identify a new tuberculosis patient, by definition, that has become an AIDS victim. Wow. It's just a matter of definition. That's, so they actually changed the definition or categorization of people dying from AIDS but not really because they couldn't find this virus? It never really... Uh, yeah, uh, Peter Duisberg has been writing about this. He was the, the world's leading uh, virologist uh, hmm. in, in the 1960s. Uh, but as soon as he questioned uh, this idea that there is uh, an AIDS-causing uh, virus, as soon as he questioned that, uh, he was exiled scientifically, not invited uh, to science meetings, uh, uh, 
not given any grants, wow. uh, ruined, just ended his career totally. Wow. And uh, one of the stories that I hadn't heard before, I think it was in uh, Kennedy's book, is that a well-known medical researcher contacted him by phone and said he wanted to uh, talk to him, flew across the country to have dinner with him. Uh, and uh, after ha- having supper with him, it, it pulled out a, 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 a document, a, a, a research article supposedly uh, under uh, Duisburg's name. Duisburg had nothing to do with writing it, but said, if you uh, take responsibility and say this is your work, you're back in the science establishment simply by uh, uh, saying, I hereby acknowledge the existence of an AIDS virus. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and he turned it down and just stayed in wow. exile. Does Kennedy go into it, and do you know or how many, so many people did die during this whole thing of who knows what? Was it, were the, were the drugs the problem similar to what the, Injections are today, Dr. P, the drugs that they gave these kids? Uh, uh, from the uh, diagnosis AIDS? Yes, sir. Uh, Peter, Dur- Peter Duisburg uh, makes a good case that it was at first uh, uh, recreational drugs mm-hmm. uh, that were, were very popular in the, the homosexual community. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, then after Fauci became involved, the uh, non-researched or, or fraudulently researched chemicals uh, to supposedly treat the infection turned out to be deadly. Uh, and Duisburg uh, goes through uh, that history that uh, when the death rate from the uh, recreational drugs was tapering off, the and pharmaceutical uh, antiretroviral uh, agents coming on the market took over killing the patients. Wow. So the AZT, what they gave all the patients when they were diagnosed with having this yeah. AIDS virus, right? Do we know what the tests were like? Was it similar to this PCR test with back then? Do we know? Uh, To to, uh, to diagnose people uh, with this alleged virus? Yeah, the the PCR didn't come into use until uh, just about a year after uh, uh, the the HIV was supposedly Mm. identified. Yeah. But this was the work, too, that Kerry Mullis, who did invent the PCR, he was looking in this, right? And I've seen videos where he says, Uh, I couldn't uh, find any virus. That, that's right. The, the, the existence of the virus uh, was thoroughly established, according to Fauci and the government, uh, before the before the PCR test uh, existed. And when it did exist, uh, Jerry Mullis uh, said, uh, there, "There's no basis for claiming that." Wow. We're, do- we're talking with Dr. Ray Pete, RayPete.com. If you have a question. Uh, drpete.com, sorry. Uh, let me let me get the right. Sometimes I mess it up. Raypete.com is what it is. Raypete.com. If you care to join us, uh, 
trip, uh, I'm sorry, just Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So before we get off this subject, um, so what do you, so in general, are there similar issues going on with all of these 50-some vaccines they give the kids and the, the money and the, and the pharmaceutical companies and the government? Are there some real problems with these as well from birth? Oh, they, they vary. Each one has its own toxicity, hmm. and there's a tr- tremendous variation in those. But when you add up all of the reported deaths from uh, the pre-existing vaccines, the deaths reported from the new so-called vaccines, something like 100 times more than from all of the existing vaccines added together for the last 10 years. So there were several of the standard so-called vaccines that were very toxic, like for the papillomavirus yes. and the fairly toxic, the anti-tetanus shot. Others were almost harmless. Mm-hmm. But still, they were all a burden to the immune system. Yes. And adding up even these things which were only about 1% as harmful as the present RNA virus vaccines, when you add up these relatively harmless things, then you see a tremendous increase in allergies, not a, a massive uh, uh, wave of, of deaths in middle-aged and, and younger people, but allergies developing in childhood. So it's about 50 times as many allergic kids and young people as before the uh, 1970s, 80s, when vaccines were yes, really sir. pushed. Yeah. There we we talked with a gentleman, Dr. Pete, who did a whole huge study about this and the, the health of kids who were not vaxxed and the health of kids who were vaxxed with like you're saying. And it was an incredible study. And boy, they they just threw him out of the medical association and closed his practice and boy they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear any of it. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the hepatitis B B vaccine. Uh, was shown to cause uh, lingering brain damage in animal studies. Wow. And they, they gave it to little kids uh, as if uh, everyone was going to be uh, exposed to uh, sexually transmitted hepatitis or, or to contaminated intravenous drugs. Yeah. So even the, the, the theoretically harmless measles, mumps, rubella, you know, that they just give the kids. Cowan and others argue that they really do mess up the innate immune system. And what you're saying is that's been proven, then the kids will get whatever, ear infections and all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, Yeah, for example, there's evidence that the kids who had normal measles uh, are relatively resistant to developing cancer later in life. Who just... Go ahead and have the measles. 
Uh, yeah. After they have less cancer. Wow. My goodness. What a thing. How do we get into this whole vaccine paradigm anyway? I mean, when I was a kid, what, 60, what, 60 years ago, or 70, for goodness sake, they weren't giving us a whole load, were they? I don't, I don't remember getting a bunch of vaccines. Uh, uh, no, uh, in the 19, late 1930s and through the 1940s, uh, my parents uh, just got their information from newspapers and radio sure. and uh, uh, magazines and so on. And still, there was enough evidence already to indicate that uh, vaccines were very questionable hmm. as a as a preventive or as a harmless measure. In the starting fairly early, at the beginning of the twentieth century, there was evidence that injecting anything intramuscularly, anything irritating, especially predisposed kids. Uh, to getting paralysis of the area that receives the injection. So if it went in their right hip, uh, that uh, leg was more likely to develop polio paralysis or, or the left shoulder, that left arm was uh, much more likely to be, become paralyzed. Uh, that, that has been reported now for over 100 years. My goodness. And uh, there were very, very well publicized studies in the 1950s uh, that, that uh, pretty well turned everyone who was at all informed uh, against the, the vaccines. And uh, that effect of the area uh, affected by polio is still seen in Africa today. You, you can uh, the, the frequency of paralysis of a particular part of the body corresponds closely uh, to the site of vaccination. My goodness. Do they still give polio uh, vaccines today? Uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, I, I, cur currently, I, I think most of it is called uh, uh, the vaccine-derived polio. Uh, uh, paralysis very specifically relating to the virus given in the vaccines. Yes, sir. Wow. Okay, we're going to take a little break here. Dr. Pete, stay right there. Thanks for, he's got a headset on. We Our phones are out, as you know, and we worked that over the weekend, and thanks for doing that, sir. This is Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Many people have said, and we concur, that the number one investment we should make is in our health. Here's George Wiseman. Last caller, I'm sorry, I didn't remember his name, said an investment. Uh, and this is really the investment kind of thing that you need to do. Not my machine specifically. I, I think I sell the world's best machine, and, and I do my best to maintain it and support the customers and everything. But regardless of who you get it from, you really should invest in your health. How are you going to enjoy life if you if you haven't got health? How, how are you going to fulfill that bucket list? If <laughs> So number one on the bucket list should be your health, and then you, you get some extra years I, I say this thing not only adds years to your life because the science is showing a 30 to 50% life extension. 
So I'm expecting to go to the 120, 150 years old and, and help a lot of people between now and then. But it also adds life to your years. There's no sense living in uh, your, your last decade of life if you're in a hospital bed on, attached to machines. You know what I mean? Throwing a Frisbee and having fun. It's so true, isn't it? Boy, if we don't feel good and have the energy to do what we need to do, I mean, what's the point? And here's an investment with a lifetime warranty and also a one-year, no-questions-asked, money-back guarantee if you don't want it. Check out this AquaCure machine, bubbling hydrogen gas, drinking it, breathing it. This is real cutting-edge technology. Check it out in our store. Use promo code 1RADIO for a 10% discount. The AquaCure Browns Gas Machine, OneRadioNetwork.com. One of the very first things I do in the morning is come sit at my meditation chair, and that's when I take my dual extracted mushrooms from Sir Thrival, the chaga and the reishi. Both of these mushrooms are immunomodulators. If you had too strong of an immune system, like autoimmunity, it'll help to downregulate and calm the immune system. If you have too weak of an immune system, like an immunodeficiency, they help to upregulate or strengthen your immune system. So whatever you're dealing with, they help to bring your immune system to balance. In addition to being immunomodulators and adaptogens, Chaga is probably best known for its extremely high ORAC value or antioxidant content. It scavenges the body of free radicals. And Reishi has a long history being used in conjunction with meditation and for reaching higher states of consciousness. And that's why I like to take these right before my meditation. There's a lot of medicinal mushroom supplements on the market to choose from, but most are made with cheaply produced mushrooms grown on grain and either ground up and put in capsules or extracted in non-organic alcohol. Sir Thrival does it differently. We use wild harvested chaga and organic certified wood-grown reishi fruit bodies, not the mycelial extract. And then we use an organic alcohol and a hot water extraction method and then recombine so you get the full benefits of these extremely high quality mushrooms. It's a great company and uh, we love Daniel and his work and it's just uh, been such an honor over the years to to uh, work with him and uh, sell his products. One of our fave is uh, the pine pollen here and it'll keep your testosterone up levels up as my tests that you have seen uh, will will substantiate and then oh this is the good one here we got some CBD oil from Daniel Vitalis and uh, what else do I got here well that's about it right here in front of me oh the digestive bitters this is a nice thing for digestion digestive bitters spray that puppy on there so it's a good company colostrum great company uh, let us know uh, if we can provide you any information with it and I think you'll really enjoy uh, uh, the Thrival products. Uh, try the colostrum. I put it in my smoothies, and I, I think you'll have enough, a great experience. I just wanted to mention, if I could go back about 60 seconds and talk about George uh, Wiseman and the hydrogen machine. After two and a half years, my hydrogen machine just stopped, you know. And it's, these things happen, you know. They're, they're machines. And it was just amazing uh, I just emailed George. He said, don't worry. Just um, He took, you know, he said, I'll send you out a new machine. And all you got to do is just take the machine that I send you, put your old machine back in there, postage paid. Uh, you can call 
uh, UPS and have him pick it up or bring it to him, and you're done. And that's the way he works. So there is a lifetime warranty on the hydrogen machine and um, a one-year, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. I don't know anybody, and George is very, very um, um, careful about uh, doing everything that he's agreed to do with these warranties, and he's a good guy. So I was missing it, man, I tell you what. So check it out. It's the Hydrogen Machine on OneRadioNetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. If I can uh, do that. Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Pete, I want to ask you about this. We had a gentleman on our show, oh, Dr., um, um, an MD, written about 10 books, and, and he was talking about how that he believed that the research shows if you look at anthropologists and such that grains are really, really not good for us. And he kind of presented the argument that grains and sugar are really the problems behind uh, heart disease and such. So let me ask you about that. Are grains okay or in your opinion uh, did you say greens or grains? Grains, grains. sorry. Yeah, the, I know you have a hard time with this new system. Grains, yeah, like grains, like everything. Grains, grains. Uh, uh, yeah, if, if they're properly prepared, uh, they're fine. Uh, thousands of years ago, uh, people, I, I guess, cooking uh, around a, a, a open fire uh, found that if they got ashes wood ashes into their cooking uh, uh, wheat or corn or whatever their cereal was uh, that it tasted better Mm -hmm. and that it was better for their health easier to digest uh, more nutritious and that uh, it's now called uh, uh, generally it's called nixtamalization yes sir yeah and you've told us about this right Nixtamalization of the yeah. corn in Mexico, and we can do this. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, it t- tastes very good, and it's very digestible and, and uh, highly nutritious. The, the toxins uh, of the grain are mostly removed or destroyed uh, by the alkali uh, at the same time that uh, tryptophan, uh, which in itself leads to a promotion of serotonin and inflammation. The tryptophan, which is a potential toxin, is converted to niacin, niacin amide, which is one of the signs of eating corn unprocessed is the uh, d- deficiency disease uh, of niacin uh, uh, and uh, people who use the nixtamalized corn uh, don't get that deficiency disease hmm. uh, because it gives you an, a, a very abundant source of niacin amide uh, and uh, the, the removal of the polyunsaturated fats is part of it uh, uh, that they saponify 
a very large uh, proportion of them uh, become soap-like in, in the presence of uh, lye or, or uh, uh, the calcium hydroxide lime. And in the saponified form, uh, they wash out and are thrown away or added to uh, chicken food or whatever for uh, extra calories. Mm -hmm. But uh, simply reducing the PUFA content of the grain uh, is a very important thing. So the nixtamalization of corn has been used in traditional uh, in South America and Mexico for a long time, right? People just kind of knew it. They figured it out, passed it along and, to generations. Huh? And in Asia, uh, other grains, including wheat, really? were processed in the same way. And then people have experimented uh, trying out uh, maybe a dozen different types of grain, saying that they all are improved in flavor and digestibility by the process. So, could this doctor be accurate if you're just pulling a white rice or a wheat or a bread or something off the shelf that these things are not good for you? Uh, uh, yeah, the, the storage protein, uh, not to mention the uh, PUFA, the, the uh, uh, unsaponified PUFA is an inhibitor of protein digestion mm -hmm. and so any protein that is in the ordinary grain is very poorly digested because the the PUFA is one of the uh, plants protective uh, toxins mm -hmm. to uh, discourage the, the consumption of their seeds hmm. uh, because wheat and and they're really seeds aren't they they're really seeds of the grass, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and, and when a person uh, digests the storage protein, gluten, for example, mm -hmm. uh, gl gluten is somewhat worse than the other storage proteins, but uh, the, uh, the sense of storing, it's nitrogen which is being stored in a com uh, concentrated form. And if you sprout the grain, uh, let it turn into a, a, a bit, bit of vegetable rather than a, a starchy cereal, uh, that converts a potentially toxic nitrogen-rich compound uh, into a, a, an actual protein that has nutritional value. So if it's unsprouted, and unprocessed by alkali, those storage proteins, especially combined with polyunsaturated fats, uh, uh, make it uh, practically useless nutritionally. Uh, the hmm. uh, so-called protein value just isn't there in practice. It's there analytically, but uh, it, since the, uh, our animal digestion is blocked by uh, th these agents themselves, uh, they are very poor nutritionally. So you're, you're talking about, in a sense, if you are going to do rice, or I don't know, oats or, some, or any steel cut, well, you can't sprout oats, I guess, but can you sprout like just white organic rice and then that would turn it into a usable, uh, not harmful food? 
if it has been processed making it white, you've probably removed the germ and you'll get some, if it hasn't been heated, just soaking it, you'll activate some enzymes that reduce the toxins. The oats, if it hasn't been heated, will sprout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to check that the uh, grain is vital because they're often uh, sterilized chemically or heated, wow. and and that prevents the enzyme activation that makes them safer. So in general, we have to really be creative. Otherwise, most of the grains that we're consuming are either worthless or could be uh, causing uh, inflammation of the gut and things. Uh, yeah, there, about 50 years ago, there were some good studies uh, of uh, comparing uh, the protein in rice, yeah. which uh, you, you, just from the analysis, it would look like it was a fair source. But uh, when you compare it to the protein quality of cooked greens, spinach or kale, for example, mm-hmm. the, quali- the quality of the protein in the leaf is much higher, similar to milk protein wow. uh, than the grain, uh, such that while there might be 6 or 7% chemically, analytically, it, in some of these feeding experiments, uh, amounted to hardly more than zero protein. Uh, uh, when you compare it to leaf protein, uh, uh, that ranked similar to milk or meat in quality. What if you wanted to use like a really ancient wheat, like einkorn, which is pretty supposed to be pretty good stuff? Would you have to sprout it before making bread to make it uh, worthwhile? Uh, 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 yeah, much, much better when it has been soaked. Hmm. To make sourdough or, or even starting the sprouting process. But the smaller, uh, the ancient grains uh, generally uh, seemed kind of meager, uh, not plump with starch. Uh, and that meant that the protein and mineral value is a lot higher. And that's uh, good. So when, uh, yeah. I see. So. Am I hearing you say the more the more modern grains after hybridization or whatever has been a lot of the gluten problems and not maybe the ancient ones as much, the ancient grains? Uh, uh, yeah, they, they are bigger hmm. and uh, have more starch and gluten, uh, but those are not, not beneficial no. uh, in, in general. So this guest idea that the starch, I guess he's talking about the starch out of the grains, could be uh, a contributor towards heart disease or heart problems? Oh, oh the starch? Yeah. Uh, the, the, there have been a, a series going back about 100 years uh, of studies showing that if you put in especially raw starch, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the, you can purify the starch, uh, corn starch, uh, potato starch, each has a characteristic granule size, 
ranging from 5 microns in diameter to 100 microns in diameter. And if you uh, give a, a good feeding, uh, uh, maybe a stomach tube uh, to, to put a lot of starch in at once, and then sample the animal's uh, uh, bloodstream, its liver fluids, its uh, cerebrospinal fluids, uh, the urine, uh, all of the body fluids, uh, every 15 minutes, uh, you, you find it first going into the bloodstream and from there to the brain uh, and, and from the blood into the urine finally. Uh, so so the, uh, even, even though they are large particles uh, uh, approaching uh, uh, and even much bigger than a red blood cell, these particles, unchanged as far as can be seen, will go from the intestine right into the circulating body fluids. And that's not good. So uh, when, they re- uh, when they reach a capillary uh, or a small arteriole, uh, they're too big to go ahead. And so when they slice up the, the uh, uh, mice, for example, after they've been fed that way, they found that their bodies and brains are full of little areas of dead tissue. Every place a grain particle clogged an arterial, the surrounding tissue died for lack of oxygen and nutrients. And uh, the the, uh, the uh, same procedure has been tested in medical students, They're giving them a glass, a, a slurry of cornstarch or potato starch, uh, and then every 15 minutes, uh, they're drawing blood or, or checking their urine, uh, and uh, you can centrifuge the, the blood or urine uh, and find the characteristic size and form of the starch granules that they were fed. And that, that, uh, you can decrease the effect if you uh, take the fat in a well-cooked form and with butter or cream to uh, slow the absorption. And if your peristalsis is very active, uh, for example, if you take it with coffee, hmm. more of them go through into your bloodstream. Uh, so it's it, something is always happening to some extent, uh, but the, the more the starch is cooked and eaten with a, a balanced uh, diet, including Butter, uh, milk, fat, or, milk or uh, butter. Cream. So that would be why, would you say then a well-cooked potato with butter is pretty good? Better than, it's okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Really well-cooked, right? Really well-cooked. Uh, yeah, the, me, meaning that it, the, the starch uh, reaches about uh, Fahrenheit 211 degrees uh, uh, completely uh, cooked takes about an hour of baking a potato yeah 
So then that turns the starch into something else, or into a chemically softened starch that's mm-hmm. much easier to digest. So if we're just going out and getting a say an organic rice, whether it be basmati or organic brown rice from California, and doing nothing, could that cause these particles from the starch in the rice to uh, be not good for our heart? Possible? Uh, uh, right, and the polyunsaturated fats in the rice. In the, yeah, in the unprocessed rice. Uh, the reason the Chinese developed uh, the polishing uh, uh, process to make white rice is that the uh, much of the oil in the bran uh, and uh, a germ are removed. Are gone. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, so there's nothing l- much left to get rancid. Uh, so uh, polished white rice is less allergenic and uh, less cumulative toxicity. Oh, so that's why they've been able to just eat white rice in China for whatever, for so long, because they, they get rid of the poofas and, and other things that can get oxidized? Uh, uh, yeah, it's more like eating sugar. <laughs> more like eating sugar. <laughs> wow. So, so can you actually take some of this white rice that's so common, say, in China, or you can get it here, that's been, everything's been taken off, Dr. Pete. If you put that in there, would that sprout? Could you sprout that at all if you, overnight? Would it do anything? Uh, uh, no, uh, if it hasn't been heated, if it hasn't been heated, there will still be some uh, vital enzymes that will break down the starch and protein. Hmm. So, is that the process of sprouting? You're breaking down this spr- starch and protein. Why people sprout different things? That's what's going uh, uh, on. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it helps to eliminate the PUFA. The PUFA, because there's PUFAs in these grains. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's what gets rancid so quickly ah. in the whole grain. Wow! Uh, wow! The the, the the fat of having whole grains rather than white flour. Uh, it's true that that they're they, they contain much more mineral value, but still they're a risk for the rancid fats for the rancid fats because they got them in there because they've not been polished out. Right. Right? Wow. Um, this guest recommended that people could do a test. I wanted to ask you about this. NMR, lipoprotein panel. Are you familiar with this? NMR? Yes, sir. N- nuclear magnetic resonance uh, 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 I, I don't know if that is a particular blood test. It's supposed to show the different size particles of the of the um, different cholesterol and things like that in there. Um, but you've not heard of this one, NMR. Oh, it actually measures the number of small LDL particles. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the smaller particles get rancid much more quickly because their surface is greater in 
in relation to the mass. So we don't want small LDL particles. We want big ones, big puffy ones? Uh, uh, yeah, there's a close connection between heart health and uh, uh, egg-eating uh, helps you uh, keep the particles big. And so eggs have a heart protective effect in reducing the uh, number of uh, ultra-small fat particles. Interesting. So in general, we kind of put together the idea if the particles are big, they could clog up things, but it's just the opposite because of the rancidity factor. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the bigger particles uh, are much uh, less exposed to oxygen. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? So in the heart disease, then the smaller starchy kind of things, they get into arteries and then that causes a problem? That's what's causing a mild and can cause myocardial myocardial infarctions as well? From um, start? That, 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 that hasn't been as directly and clearly shown, but the starches do cause vascular damage huh. on the uh, small, small vessels. They do cause vascular damage. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and that triggers immunological changes. Yes, sir. Uh, the damage uh, uh, makes you have a general systemic allergic reaction to the starches oh. or the grains they come from, and that would contribute to your uh, heart and heart artery issues. damage. And then that could also call in the uh, cholesterol and also the, um, what comes after the cholesterol, um, something, another substance, to try to smooth things out, and that could cause buildup of these things in the in the arteries because of the infection? Uh, uh, yeah, the uh, cholesterol uh, is uh, involved in detoxifying the polyunsaturated fatty acids hmm. that cause oxidative damage to the lining of the artery. Wow. Uh, and so the cholesterol temporarily uh, reduces inflammation uh, and uh, should uh, over, over time gradually uh, reduce the damage. But uh, if you keep eating PUFA, uh, you keep damaging the arteries and the PUFA combines with uh, the, the uh, uh, cholesterol and gets overloaded in the tissue. Hmm. So you get a plaque of what's really half and half PUFA and half cholesterol. Wow. And then that's where the calcium might come in too to try to try to patch uh, uh, things up. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, once, once the tissue is damaged, once it's uh, damaged. then uh, the uh, calcium uh, tends to uh, uh, take it out of action. Hmm. So this is one of the reasons why you've been such a uh, an advocate of getting poofers out of your life, right? Uh, right, a big part of it. Uh, and the information goes back... Uh, close to a hundred years. Wow. Uh, the the uh, 1930s uh, was when uh, they really started uh, thinking about what's going on with age pigment. And 
in the 1940s, it was clearly established that PUFA increase accelerates age pigment formation and all of the degenerative processes. And it turns out that vitamin E slows that process. And that was involved in not only selling vitamin E hmm. as a protective antioxidant, which isn't, isn't its exclusive function. It functions as an anti-inflammatory agent and as an anti-estrogen. But when, once they could show there was an antioxidant, that took over and they didn't talk anymore about the uh, anti-inflammatory, anti-estrogen effect because estrogen was being sold as a protective thing uh, rather than a promoter of age pigment and uh, tissue damage. Hmm. Would that be an argument uh, for most of us or some of us or all of us to do some vitamin E regularly just to good for you? Reasonable? Uh, I, I think so. The, huh. the, uh, 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 the studies over the years uh, have uh, got different results, but it's because what is called vitamin E has has been redefined so much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, for, for, for a time, it was defined as uh, a substance that increased fertility hmm. by, by opposing estrogen. Uh, then it was turned into simply an antioxidant. Uh, and then the manufacturer changed and uh, became uh, uh, very low in the anti-estrogen effect and t tended to have more fatty acids, uh, polyunsaturated fats, right in the vitamin E product. And during those years, uh, vitamin E supplements tended to increase mortality wow. because they were uh, actually selling anti-vitamin E uh, mixed in with the vitamin E. Uh, but when you look at the nature of the substance you're talking about, then uh, yes, vitamin E is very protective. And then, uh, and it, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it probably only takes about 30 to 50 milligrams per day to uh, uh, give protection. you full protection. And what what would should we look for if our listeners want to find a vitamin E to take every day? What would be in a product? What would you look for? A, a fair amount of, of uh, viscosity and dark color and a high potency in the smallest volume. Uh, you, you don't want a, a big, clear capsule. Like a huge one. Diluted. Yeah, to get, to get the most most I use for the smaller the capsule. Huh? Right, so you get less PUFA. Oh, you get less PUFA. But would you do a mixed, what do they call tocopherols, whatever that is, mixed one? Uh, uh, yes, those are, those are the anti-inflammatory hmm. components. And what are these things made out of, Doc, these vitamin E's? Where do they come from? Uh, plants make them as uh, regulatory signal huh. materials. Very interesting. Wow. Well, that's good information. So, um, again, on the potatoes, 
they're okay. You just need to cook them a lot, really cook them well, and put butter on them, right? Right. Butter. Or, or cream. Or cream. Cream's okay. Cream's okay. And then on the grains, now there is a company, I got a, there's a company that you can get nixtamalized corn, so I have some of that. That's really nice. Or you can find it online, just Google it. Um, but then anything else, if you're going to do wheat, even the ancient wheat, uh, you'd probably want to try to sprout it first, maybe if you can. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and it, it isn't hard to nixtamalize your own uh, stuff. It uh, takes maybe an hour extra. Really? And what, so you're using lime? Lye? Yeah, yeah, calcium hydroxide. Calcium hydroxide. And you can nixtamalize pretty much anything? As far as I know, people have told told me that they've used uh, barley and uh, uh, some some of the old oh. uh, uh, fossil grains. Interesting. Do you do this if you don't mind me asking for your own grains? You use calcium hydroxide if you're going to eat it. Uh, what was the first question? Were you? Do you do this for yourself if you're going to eat some kind of grains? Do you? Make sure. Uh, I, I, I've done it, but uh, I, yeah, I usually just buy the uh, uh, masa prepared. The, yeah, the nixtamalized, yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Interesting. Let's take a few emails here. Uh, good morning. Uh, my question for Dr. Pete is, if the worst comes to be in this crazy world, what would you do to survive without a Thyroid. Oh, they don't have a thyroid. Haven't been radiated. Would there be a way to survive or just die a slow, happy death? Thank you. Now, they don't have to die without a thyroid, do they, Dr. P? Uh, you can theoretically at least make it yourself. Uh, if you, for example, boil milk uh, with oysters in it or, or seaweed, uh, a, a source of iodine and trace minerals. Uh, the prolonged boiling will create iodized casein, uh, which, uh, in effect, it works uh, like a thyroid hormone. You can make it right in your kitchen. If if it happened that you weren't able to buy thyroid. Uh, in a pharmacological form. Wow, that's fascinating. So you're actually cooking oysters in milk, is what you're saying? Oysters in milk? Uh, uh, yeah, the, the reaction between hmm. uh, trace minerals, casein, uh, and iodine uh, will produce uh, an active thyroid-like substance. Fascinating. Now that's um, if I if I understand though too, you're not a fan of just taking, no matter what kind, just iodine, right? Uh, uh, no, it's so easy to overdose, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, lots of people have a, a strange allergy-like reaction uh, to uh, added iodine or iodide. Uh, no one really understands uh, what is going on. It's a some peculiarity of the immune system, but it's fairly common. 
what would those uh, reactions uh, uh, present themselves as with too much iodine? Uh, uh, just, just getting very sick, hmm. uh, headaches, headaches, uh, constipation or diarrhea, uh, arthritis pains, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the uh, studies. Uh, I've seen about seventy different studies of uh, the addition of iodide to salt, uh, and the uh, if you have three or four times more than the daily requirement of iodine taken in through iodized salt over the years uh, the risk of hypothyroidism and thyroid cancer greatly increase uh, so uh, on a population basis uh, the, the iodized salt has been uh, harmful to public health wow and that's all pretty much most everybody eats right the the iodized salt from the blue container uh, uh, yeah, most, most of the salt in the store, I think, is iodized. Uh, and if you're in a, an iodine-deficient area, uh, there are areas in the Andes and Mexico uh, and around the Great Lakes uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, have traditionally been deficient in iodine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's okay in those regions. Uh, but uh, uh, some studies found that uh, when iodide was being used as a dough conditioner, the average American was getting about 10 times more iodine than desirable uh, if, if they ate bread. I see. There's a gentleman that uh, emailed earlier that he had a, uh Achilles heel problem and they had to operate and they loaded him up with uh, um, um, antibiotics he did, um, let's see, um, Anicef, Ancef IVs for three weeks. Um, and he was wanted me to ask you how we can kind of repopulate everything down there. Repopulate the, uh, uh, his microbiome thing. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, uh, the bacteria in yogurt help. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 does it hurt to... Uh, for example, the Greek yogurt has reduced lactic acid content, but still it's full of the anti-inflammatory bacteria. It's probably a, a safe addition to the diet. That's a real thick Greek yogurt. Thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Aaron writes in, I thought drinking orange juice caused an insulin spike and it was my understanding that an insulin spike was a bad thing. A what spike? Insulin spike. Insulin. Oh, with oh. drinking orange oh. juice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you don't take it with other food, but uh, uh, just slowing down the absorption uh, with milk, for example, uh, uh, will moderate that. Uh, insulin spike uh, and uh, if you compare it to uh, rice su- sucrose in the orange juice contains an insulin moderating uh, component the, the fructose slightly inhibits 
<laughs> the release of of uh, insulin compared to uh, rice or cornstarch, which breaks down into pure glucose, oh, well. lacking the moderating effect of, of fructose. Uh, so when you look at uh, the glycemic in- index, uh, the uh, uh, starch is at the top of the list uh, and sucrose is well down the list because uh, uh, the uh, fructose uh, has a moderating effect. And also the high potassium content of orange juice has a moderating effect. But you mentioned that you want to, do you want to always drink it uh, with something else that is okay on its own? Orange juice? Uh, if you drink it slowly, okay. uh, don't go down eight ounces at once, but uh, uh, just a little bit. Uh, as if you're, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, if, if there are four oranges in a glass of juice, uh, uh, just spread it out uh, over time as if you're eating the whole orange. I see. It makes sense. Uh, Dr. Ray Pete is with us. Patrick Timpone, July or January 17, excuse me. Mary says, Dr. Pete, I have a low thyroid. How can I get Armour Thyroid from a pharmacy in Mexico? Or is there something better to take than Armour Thyroid? I guess she's in Mexico. It's very hard to get in, in Mexico, hmm. as well as being expensive. But... Uh, uh, almost all of the drugstores in Mexico uh, will have two uh, forms of, of a compound uh, that includes T3 and T4. Cedo uh, Plus contains uh, the ratio that Armour Thyroid, uh, in fact, uh, they designed the product uh, to, to be equivalent to Armour Thyroid. Uh, uh, four to one rate ratio of T4 to T3. Hmm. And then another product called Novotiral is a five to one ratio, and it's pretty good. So if you just go out and get an armor or nature thyroid or whatever from pharmacy, it's about a four to one for T4 to T3 in general? Uh, uh, Yeah, the natural gland uh, actually varies from three to one to four to one. Okay, pretty close. So the Sino Plus, which you can get into a, Me- a Mexican uh, pharmacy, is four to one. So that would be a reasonable replacement, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it works almost identically. Mm-hmm. Almost identically. Okay. Um, all right. Um, Here's an interesting email. In Science News in 2003, the exosomes used as vaccine carriers were already proved to shed so much show that they were called a kind of biological FedEx. Hmm. Is this shedding why the vaccinated are causing more death than the unvaccinated? Uh, uh, yeah, the phenomenon of shedding uh, through our breath, sweat, uh, urine, saliva, uh, it's going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Pfizer was fully aware of that and warned uh, their uh, uh, 
team of, of vaccinators not to uh, uh, let pregnant women or breastfeeding women get exposed to someone who had been vaccinated. Wow. Uh, so that, that knowledge going back at least 10 or 15 years uh, was fully known by Pfizer. Uh, uh, who who put it in their instructions in, in the, uh, the very beginning uh, uh, when they were testing the, the vaccines. So folks that are getting this alleged COVID injection, they are, what are they shedding in their sweat and their breath? What are they shedding? Uh, uh, just like everyone is shedding Everything. some of their uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, natural mm-hmm. proteins, RNA, uh, DNA, uh, uh, lipids, uh, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of all Everything. of our chemistry. We shed this uh, all the time, put, right? Just by breathing. Uh, 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 yeah, you put a cold uh, piece of metal uh, uh, under your nose uh, and fluid can condenses on it then then you analyze that and you find the surprisingly big <laughs> stuff uh, the, the exosomes uh, the uh, free pieces of rna free pieces of dna wow uh, uh, tr- very complex wow. uh, complex pictures so what do you suppose that's about spiritually or philosophically or evolutionary why why are we putting out these exosomes all the time i i, I think it's a a form of biological cooperation hmm. uh, like, like bacteria yes sir uh, even bacteria of different categories uh, if one uh, group has been exposed to an antibiotic and survived uh, they will develop a, a, a bit of DNA that specifies how to make a detoxifier Hmm. Uh, to the antibiotic, uh, and they will uh, join up with other bacteria, even of different species, and transmit their uh, 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 DNA instructions uh, right through a little tube, uh, so the new species uh, gains can figure it out. Uh, the, the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and so, if bacteria uh, learned somehow to cooperate with each other and improve oh. their survival. Yeah. I, I think all of the higher levels are doing it constantly. Wow. Uh, that, that we're sampling our environment uh, in its uh, genetic composition uh, and our organism uh, probably most of the time is checking it to see if it has anything useful hmm. uh, and occasionally uh, some uh, har- harmful material comes in instead. So, so if we if we get some exosomes in from others out out in the store that are not useful, we just it just it's not harmful to us generally. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there's a lab in Germany that has uh, found uh, all of our food substances uh, DNA in our bloodstream and tissue and some of them are actually incorporated in our own genomes so I didn't quite if, understand that so what are the company doing in Germany with the food if you eat beef yes, regularly uh-huh. you can you can find some beef 
genetic material circulating in your blood. Yes. Uh, and then if you culture uh, some of the animal's tissues, occasionally you can find that some of the DNA has made its way into the nucleus and become part of us. Uh, and uh, th- th- there's uh, evidence that of uh, 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 an algae, uh, a toxic algae, uh, can uh, deliver its toxic DNA to our system uh, and become incorporated. Uh, so uh, th- there is some suggestion of a, a, a toxic effect being picked up from uh, uh, certain organisms, but uh, also the possibility that we can use that material constructively. So in a sense, though, is it possible if we are around injected people with these, what we believe are very dangerous things that we could learn from it or deal with it or are not so much? I, I, I think... If you look at the uh, mortality uh, around the different countries uh, in relation to their continuing vaccination uh, processes, I, I, I think what's happening is that, uh, that we're, we're calling uh, the uh, shedding phenomenon and the vaccination uh, uh, d- delivery of uh, the uh, toxins. Uh, we're, we're calling that an epidemic. Uh, I, I think uh, the, the epidemic is really uh, long past. Uh, but what we're having is uh, echoing uh, of the shedding effect and the new vaccination uh, damaging our resistance. Mm-hmm. And no telling what this, whatever test they're using is picking up, right? There's just no telling, is there? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, they have failed to demonstrate uh, the, the meaning of the tests they're giving. Yes, sir. So all these new cases that we see in the news, um, it's just not relevant, is it, Doctor Pete? Relevant uh, yeah, as far uh, as uh, spreading some kind of a mysterious thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kerry Mullis' observations, I think, are still relevant. You spin it enough, it'll pick about up anything, I think, is those words, words, right? The CT, the circulation threshold. Uh, uh, Yeah, what you have to do is show a causal relation between your test and symptoms. Which hasn't really been done, has it? No. No. Marilyn writes in, what would you do for a child with a fever, cough, and throwing up? What do you consider to be dangerous high temperatures, and how would you treat it? Well, uh, aspirin uh, and uh, all of the anti-inflammatory things. Uh, uh, Sugar has really been neglected as an anti-inflammatory thing. Uh, uh, it reduces stress, lowers the stress hormones, uh, and uh, uh, reduces the inflammatory 
cytokines sugar do the damage sugar sugar <laughs> <laughs> great but they didn't teach us that for the last 30 years they told us the sugar was going to kill us right yeah, uh, yeah, yeah but uh, sh sugar corresponds pretty well to the uh, production of uh, carbon dioxide uh, and if something is a stress uh, causes us to shift from glucose oxidation to fatty acid oxidation uh, uh, that lowers the CO2 production and uh, increases lactic acid production, which uh, supports all of the inf inflammatory wow. uh, problems. So getting your CO2 up uh, by, by maintaining glucose oxidation uh, should be a basic thing. So when you so when we saw sugar, it could be anything from organic beet sugar or uh, maple syrup or honey or orange juice or fruit. Uh, honey and orange juice are very good. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, maple syrup, the brown stuff, is a, a fairly inflammatory material in itself. Oh, the dark stuff! I thought the darker was uh, the better. No. Well, it, it does correspond to mineral content, mm. but uh, also there are amino acids which heated in the presence of the sugar, you get a toxic reaction between amino acid and glucose, oh. and, and that's brown. So uh, the browning of food uh, uh, tends to uh, increase its allergenicity. Well, I thought they just got the maple syrup out of the tree and that's it but no they they cook it uh, oh yeah you have, you have to boil it for a long time uh, same with uh, cane sugar oh. uh, if you just if you just juice a stick of cane yeah uh, you have a very nice uh, amber colored uh, solution mm -hmm. uh, which is very very safe uh, but if you cook it long enough to get black molasses uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, reaction between amino acids and sugars uh, are allergenic uh, or toxic so if you like maple syrup you want to try to find a light one that's the least processed huh right right wow i can remember when i spent some time in hawaii they used to have these carts dr pete on the road and they would just have the raw cane sugar right and they would juice it right there and you can have a glass of that. It was pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, right there on the side of the road. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a very good juice. <laughs> very good for you. Can Dr. Pete, wow, this is interesting. Can Dr. Pete discuss how hazardous raw and undercooked starch is? Like the presorption of raw starch, a cause of senile uh, dementia, and many other studies. Wow, this person's done some research. So, what would be a, like a raw starch, an undercooked starch? What would that be? Um, uh, mo most people uh, don't like to cook their rice until it's gummy, for example. Yes, sir. Uh, they like some separation of the kernels. Uh, until it's gummy, uh, you're still going to have some of the uh, risky starch particles. Mm. Wow. So that would be... An undercook would just be rice. And then what's, when we get that starch, that undercooked starch, 
Uh, what, are, what are the dangers? What, what, what goes on there? Uh, um, if you aren't uh, having it with fat, mm-hmm. and if you eat, eat a lot of it regularly, uh, then I think you have the risk that they saw in their experimental animals uh, of uh, uh, premature dementia. Wow. Goes to the brain. It just something starts messing with the brain. Uh, yeah, the arterioles that get plugged by a starch granule, uh, uh, everything downstream from that arteriole uh, gets deprived of, of nutrition wow. and is likely to die. Well, that's not good. So, so in general, I guess, I guess even organic brown rice pasta or pasta could be a challenge to eat, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, pasta and, and rice and such things should be uh, boiled for uh, at least 40 minutes. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine cooking pasta for 40 minutes? It wouldn't be, it would just be all gum, wouldn't it? Just be all gum. That's that's right. <laughs> just be all gum. But I guess you could take some organic, I don't know, mm, Einkorn and then sprout the weed and make your own or something like that would be okay, I guess, huh? Uh, right. Yeah. What does Dr. Think, what does Dr. Pete, excuse me, think of tocotrienol vitamin E versus mixed tocopherols role in the PUFA toxicity? So we have tocotrienol vitamin E versus mixed tocopherols. I, I would go with the tocopherol okay. mixture. Uh, in uh, feeding experiments, uh, the tocotrienols cause liver enlargement if they gave very much of it. Uh, and that indicates uh, some kind of a stress effect. I see. Uh, from, from the trienes. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. Is dry vitamin E legitimate? Uh, Dirk Pearson and Sandy Shaw recommended back in 1982. I remember that book. Remember that Pearson and Shaw book? Uh, Dry vitamin E, any such thing? Uh, It does have some vitamin E value, but uh, uh, there is no dry vitamin E. No such thing. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, suction is sometimes... Uh, sold that way as having special anti-cancer effectors. I uh, see. But, uh, remember, uh, Dirk uh, at one point was recommending uh, rubbing estrogen into his scalp uh, <laughs> to make his hair grow. Yeah, did it work? No. That didn't work. That didn't work. Got any ideas? Writes an email for thinning hair. It seems to start after I had a plate and uh, and screws put in my wrist after it broke. Oh, so I guess this person had a little plate put in their their wrist. Could that affect hair thinning? Could it affect what? Hair thinning, thinning of hair. Oh, oh, uh, conceivably, uh, but. Uh, uh, the um, bio- biological uh, vitality uh, uh, of the scalp and the hair follicle uh, uh, 
corresponds, for example, low thyroid people uh, tend to lose their hair. Mm -hmm. And just increasing your metabolic rate uh, will increase your ability to uh, grow and retain hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if something is causing constant stress, uh, that uh, could slow your metabolism uh, and uh, contribute to hair loss. Interesting. Any after all these years, have you ever seen any quality information on why the hairs tend to lose their color gray? Why that is? Uh, uh, many years ago, I, 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 when I taught in uh, uh, Bozeman, Colorado, or uh, uh, Montana, uh, the uh, uh, rate of white-haired, prematurely gray-haired people uh, seemed very high in those very cold uh, uh, towns hmm. uh, and uh, I, I decided that uh, the, the stress to the skin uh, was probably a factor. Uh, uh, radiation, when a person has dental x-rays, uh, the whiskers uh, will sometimes turn white in s- circular areas hmm. uh, 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 on the cheeks uh, 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 a series of overlapping circles uh, uh, suggesting that the the radiation was knocking out the uh, ability to, <clears throat> to uh, oxidize the pigment. Uh, copper is both the respiratory uh, 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 catalyst uh, and the pigment forming catalyst. Uh, so if you're copper deficient, uh, you're going to tend to have white uh, graying hair uh, uh, as well as uh, l- lower uh, metabolizing uh, maybe b- more in- inflamed mm-hmm. tissue. Mm-hmm. What do you think about drinking water out of a pure copper vessel from time to time? you think that's valuable? Uh, yeah, uh, getting enough copper in relation to iron mm-hmm. I-, I think is the a protective factor. So people who eat too much uh, meat or other uh, iron-rich food uh, are are going to compete and displace uh, the copper that is needed for for energy production and pigment formation. And so meat, like muscle meat or ribeye and T-bones, that's fun to eat, that has a lot of um, iron. Uh, uh, yeah, as well as uh, uh, for for most people, too much phosphate and too much uh, tryptophan and other excitatory amino acids. Uh, so it has and too much heme. Hmm. Uh, everything that it provides too much of uh, tends to support uh, cancer development and uh, degenerative processes. Wow. So, but I thought tryptophan would is a sleepy time. You say, but it's 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 excitatory or inflammatory in the meat. Tryptophan. Uh, yeah, there's three amino acids that uh, correlate with aging, uh, degeneration, uh, and uh, inflammation. Uh, loss of thyroid function are methionine, cysteine, uh, and tryptophan. Wow. So chicken, 
Um, beef, pork, any difference there? Uh, yeah, a little bit. The, the uh, red muscle meats have quite a bit more iron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So chicken, uh, a little bit easier on the body than... And then for, for the for the iron content for the iron content anyway and then how about fish in general I think I remember I've been kind of eating he said some of the best choices are um, scallops you like scallops good choice probably number one number one uh, wow. scallops uh, crab uh, lobster cal- calama- calamari calamari uh, uh, the, the uh, 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 all of the uh, crustaceans and mollusks are, are pretty good. Shrimp. Uh, yeah, shrimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, high copper. High copper uh, in relation to iron. I see. I see that copper. That that kind of turquoise color in the lobster and things. That's what you're getting more copper there rather than iron. Interesting. Do people generally eat a lot more fish? Wherever they live, uh, have better mortality rates than than the heavy meat eaters in general. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think part of it is the uh, less iron content oh. uh, and uh, the low fat fish. I, I think are the best. Low fat fish. So other than let's see, salmon would be a high fat fish with a lot of. Uh, Threes, right? Which you're not fans of, uh, omega threes, correct? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, shrimp and scallops are, are, are the other end. relatively low fat. <laughs> cool. Uh, one more, and then we'll let you go. I consume too much salt in a day. Sometimes the next morning, my hands and joints will be stiff with some pain or flexing. Any ideas on how to relieve purge some of that salt? Wow. Why would salt do that to this person's joints, Dr. Pete? Salt? Salt. Too much salt, they tend to get little creaky joints and pain in their, in their, in their hands when they eat too much salt. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. But now again, so just to know, uh, to repeat, your favorite, if I understand, is the... Um, Pickling, Morton's pickling and canning salt, right? With no iodine. Right. Right. It's very pure. Very pure stuff. Well, we covered a lot of territory here this morning. Thanks for all that information on the whole starch and grains thing because we've been getting a lot of emails since we had this fellow on. But So I think he was kind of on the right track, really. I mean, he was talking about generally, in general, you didn't hear the show probably, but just commercial grains and could be a problem for a lot of people, right? Just eating them. Uh, yeah, if they aren't prepared properly. They aren't prepared properly. Dr. Pete, thank you. Uh, how's your uh, newsletters coming? Do we have a new one soon? Uh, oh, I'm uh, going to write something about cancer. Uh, uh, I return to the subject about every five years or so. Oh, you do. Uh, and uh, some of the things I've been working on for 20 or 30 years are just now uh, starting to uh, really take off as 
subjects of interest. Oh, that's that's uh, great. That's great. Well, we look forward to that, sir. And you can get Ray Pete's newsletter by just uh, uh, emailing Ray Pete's newsletter. Ray Pete, let's see, is it plural pleats and newsletter, right? Ray Pete's newsletter at gmail.com. Is that right? Ray Pete. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it's going to be four times a year rather than six times a year. Yeah. Uh, and the subscription per year will be something around ten dollars oh my god ten dollars <laughs> and uh, because uh, paypal charges uh, almost eight percent fee uh, <laughs> on ten dollars uh, uh, we're uh, going to make it ten dollars and the ten dollars and twenty cents or something uh, well god love you so you can get that folks that'll be four times a year ray pete's newsletter at gmail dot com dot com dr peter as usual it's just such an honor to have you we would love talking to you did you enjoy the little headset thing you think we should stay with it or get back to the phone next time i, I understood almost everything you said yeah well you sound great i mean you sound much closer than on the phone if you don't mind we could try it again as long okay. as you can hear me well thanks a lot sir you take care of yourself we appreciate it okay Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Ray Pete, Ray Pete's newsletter at gmail.com. And so that was great. Yeah, uh, we were able to put this little thing together because, well, he doesn't, we don't have the telephone thing going. Just can't do it. Well, okay. Well, that was great, huh? Yeah, it was re- good to get some really clarity on the whole grain thing. Because I've been thinking about that, you know, since since Dr. Davis came on the show. Yeah, uh, people are emailing me, what's the name of that website? where you get the nixtamalized corn. I'll have to look that up. I don't have it handy. But there is a website. I bought a bunch of it, a big thing of it. And uh, So there, if you want a grain, it's already been nixtamalized. But then you can also do it yourself. We'll have to look into that. <clears throat> Calcium hydroxide. So we're going to talk to Bridge and see if she'll sprout her einkorn, even take it to another level before she makes bread. But he did say that the einkorn and these ancient wheats are very, very easier in general for the whole digestion process, which is pretty fun. Okay, kids, we will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Freemasons and these guys and um, where we got how'd they get into our life, how they all started, and then also uh, Paul Jean Lando, Dr. Lando, will be here tomorrow. So we're going to have a good time, have a lot to talk about, and uh, thanks for your ongoing support. Let us know if we can help with anything. Adam will be here on Wednesday, and uh, we'll talk more about the whole starch thing, and he knows a lot of stuff about it as well. So we're learning more and more how we can eat what we like, and uh, 
still not kill ourselves. <laughs> it's great. So I love you all very much. Thanks for your ongoing support. We will see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Patrick Timpone, and uh, may the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.